0: Peter chapter 5, 1st Peter chapter 5, spend some more time today studying 1st Peter with the hope that we learn more together, we hear from the, the Lord and maybe we're even changed by Him. First Peter chapter five. We'll look at verses one through five this morning. Talk about a, a topic that's fun, in a sense. Um, have you ever thought about um, your need for a sh- a shepherd? Do you need a shepherd? Who needs a shepherd? Sheep need a shepherd, right? Uh, maybe some of you in here acknowledge the fact that that you might be a sheep, and you may need need a shepherd. And so, um, so we're going to spend some time this morning talking about the need for a shepherd, or the need for shepherds, even on. Uh, this Earth when I was in uh, junior high and high school, I raised pigs to show at stock shows and um, one of the stock shows that I got to show at was in San Antonio, Texas, and I'll never forget this scene. Um, there's so many pigs that show up to the San Antonio Stock show that you have to go through what's called the sift. Uh, they just go ahead and just look and see who's who's got the best pigs that's right out of the out of the gate or out of the trailer almost and uh, and just determine right away like you you, you have the worst pig. It's, no spider could ever tell us or convince us otherwise, and so uh, so just send your pig straight to McDonald's, and uh, and so that's exactly what happened to a friend friend of mine named Justin. Uh, he he was so excited about his pig that he had raised so well, and he he had high hopes and high aspirations of his pig, you know, being uh, a gold buckle or a, a nice little trophy, you know, grand champion uh, pig. And uh, as his pig entered the ring, and he followed behind his pig. I don't know if you know anything about pigs, but they're not a lot like sheep they don't at all like to be guided or shepherded they want to do their own they want to do their own thing and so as as the gate opened for his pig to go through the little sifting arena and the judge was going to stand there and and judge and decide you know go this way to heaven or go this way to somewhere else uh, to be judged more um, his as they opened the gate for his pig to go into the sifting arena uh, the gate that goes directly to the to the truck to be sent to the slaughterhouse was also open and his pig went from one gate as fast as it could to the other gate onto the truck and justin was behind him uh, yelling uh, that's my pig that's my pig and now it's your now it's your bacon you know what i'm saying like it's not your it's not just your pig anymore that pig was in desperate need of, of a shepherd for sure a better shepherd than justin was doing also was in need of a gate. Also was in need of a good gatekeeper. Someone who would close the gate, who would uh, leave him in the pen that he needed to be in, instead of uh, opening the gate and sending him um, out through the through the exit uh, exit pen. I want you to get you to think about those things in terms of. Obviously, that's John chapter 10, um, but but I want you to get your mind thinking about um, your and, and my need for, for a shepherd. And Peter, in the midst of all this suffering mess or talk, in the midst of the fiery trials uh, that the sojourners of the exiles are going through, he then ends the chapter with this need of shepherds or elders or overseers to look out for the care of those within the church. So he so he begins chapter five with, Hey, let me let me encourage you or let me talk to let me talk to the elders of the church, the the shepherds, the the overseers of the church so that so that I can command them on how to how to care well for those within those within the flock or within within the church. So let's read together first Peter chapter five, verses one through Five. Peter says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So Peter's getting our mind to think about right off elders or overseers or shepherds within the church. He's getting us to think about again the sufferings of Jesus and also the glory that will be revealed one day in Christ's return. Verse 2 says shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge but being but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory and likewise like all of this You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble." So there's a word here, elder, that we don't use often. Though it's used, the root word of the word elder is used 76 times in the New Testament. We, in our little context, in our little Southern Baptist world, we don't use that elder word often in regards to pastors, shepherds, overseers. Because it sounds so different. It sounds so other denomination. It sounds so out of our, of our circle. But yet it's used. And we have to think about, what, what is who is Peter talking to? Who are these elders? You have to go back to Old Testament time even, knowing the elders were a part of Jewish tradition from the beginning. Think about Exodus chapter 12. Maybe you're reading through Exodus with us. Think about Exodus chapter 12 when Moses goes, God commands him, go to the elders and tell them to sprinkle or to paint blood over the doorpost of your doors so that when the angel of death comes over, he will pass over you because the blood has been put over your doorpost. Who was responsible for doing that? Moses went to the elders, went to those who were overseeing the flock of the Lord, and, had, and commanded them to do those things. And throughout, throughout the Bible, we see we see this that Lord that the Lord provides for us overseers, shepherds, elders to care for us, to watch over us, to guide us in the direction that we should go. Because He knows, He knows, the Lord knows that we are in desperate need of guiding. We're in desperate need of guarding. We're in desperate need of someone to tend to the flock. Someone to show us the loving kindness of the Lord. Someone to to demonstrate to us the compassion um, that's from that's from the Lord you need to know that in the New Testament uh, there's, a, there's some phrases here that, that are used interchangeably when you see the word elder or shepherd or pas- pastor or bishop or, or overseer these words are all the same office within the church we talk about black and white things in church polity the way church should be set up there are two offices that are for sure needed within a church pastor, shepherd, elder, overseer and deacon we, after that, we allow God to give us wisdom and direction and say, how can we continue to serve the people well? But that's a black and white area that we're talking about. When Peter's talking about, it, it was an established group of men who were leading, who were overseeing, who were giving direction towards, towards the way that the people of God should, should lead. Think about in times of your suffering, when you've been going through trials, can you depend well upon yourself? Your heart, your emotions, your thinking to walk faithfully with the Lord during that time? No, Jeremiah tells us in, in chapter 17, the heart is wicked, deceitful. We can't trust in it. We have to have someone to help us, to guide us. If the gate opens and it's up to us, we run as fast as we can, frantically finding, trying to find another gate, trying to find another way of escape. We need someone to, to lead us well. And Peter saying, in the midst of the suffering, church, in the midst of the suffering, exiles, in the midst of sojourning, in the midst of being a royal priesthood, there are folks who can give oversight, who can give you direction, who can guide you well, keep you faithful, enduring, persevering in the way of the Lord. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherds, we're going to get to this kind of description here. Shepherds should be always pointing us to the glory that is to be revealed. If we, if we know of people who are giving us oversight in our life, direction in our life, and they're not pointing us to the glory that's to be revealed, but something lesser than that, they ain't a good shepherd. Find a different one. We want shepherds, particularly in the church, most importantly in the church, we want shepherds who are pointing us to the glory that is to be revealed in Jesus. In the midst of your suffering, think back. Think back to the midst of your suffering. Maybe it was just this past week. The advice that you sought out, the words that were given to you in the trials that you were going, going through, were those words of wisdom and advice and you're seeking did they point you to the glory that's to be revealed in Jesus or did they point you to something else and if they pointed you to something else it's not from it's not from the good shepherd it must be it must be the leading must be towards towards something else shepherd the flock of God that is among you verse 2 says exercising oversight I think it's interesting here that this word elder, shepherd, overseer is used 76 times in the New Testament yet we often overlook the overseer. We look past it. Why is that? Well, just because of what I, what I said just a moment ago. In the midst of our suffering and trials, we want to figure things out on our own. We are desperately wicked. Even though we have a good shepherd, not all the times do we trust in the good shepherd because we think we can figure, out, figure it out on our own. So I'm going to ask you again, do you need a shepherd? Do you need someone guide you. Do you need the good shepherd? Even in times when there's just green pastures, do you need, do you need a good shepherd? Good shepherd, the good shepherd, plus the shepherds that he uses in the earth today, they point us towards the glory of the Lord, but also uh, they point us towards purity, and the whole hope that Peter is talking about here is that this royal priesthood, this holy group of people that have been set apart by God will continue to be set apart by God. They will continue to be living holy lives. And we need folks in our life to point us in that direction, point us towards the glory that's to be revealed and point us to where our holiness comes from, how we can remain pure well, what does David tell us in Psalm 119? How can we remain pure in this world, in this broken world? Well, we have to hide the word of God in our hearts. We have to be led by it. And so if you know a shepherd who is not using the word of God, let's not let him or her be a shepherd in your life. If they're not pointing you towards the glory that's to be revealed in Jesus, let's not let them continue to point you in that direction. Let's let those who, Who belong to the Lord, be led by the Lord, be pointed to the Lord in his his word. Not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Who's our best example? Who's our best example of shepherding? The best example is Jesus. The best example is how he shepherded, how he is still shepherding today, how he is leading his flock in the way everlasting. How does he do that? He provides for us. Think about in John chapter 21, we mentioned this two weeks ago, when when Peter and Jesus were having this conversation on the beach as fishermen, eating this great little fish breakfast together. What does Jesus say to Peter? If you love, love me you're going to feed my sheep. He provides for his sheep. He's the good example. What is he providing? He's providing life, life eternal. He's providing daily sustenance. He's, prov- he's providing everything. He provides for us life. We know that. John 10:10. 10, 10. The son has come to give us life and life abundantly. Satan has come to destroy, to steal, to kill, to destroy. But yet Christ, the good shepherd, has come to give us life and life eternal. He's providing these things for us. Good shepherds, the good shepherd, using shepherds within the church, overseers within the church, should be doing the same thing, Peter says. Not under compulsion or for greedy gain, but instead uh, living this life of humility, leading with, with compassion. Providing for for the sheep, providing for the flock, pointing towards the way the way ever the way everlasting. Uh, good shepherd, the good shepherd Jesus provides love for us. He shows us that in compassion, he he gives us mercy. He shows an unconditional love towards us. Good shepherds within the church should be doing. The the same thing, not the shame thing, but the same thing. You can't shepherd people without loving people. If you're not loving people, you're just domineering or trying to control people. Shepherds aren't just about control, power, or authority, or domineering, but instead, shepherd, taking the example of the good shepherd... Love and show compassion. Think about the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, when he looked at the crowds and he saw them as harassed, in need of help. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd, and he wanted to give them compassion. So he said, Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers, send out more folks to this helpless, harassed people. The Good Shepherd recognizes the need for love and compassion. And in our world today, he continues to show us that. I mean, think about this for a second. Christ calls himself the good shepherd. We know this. We've read it in John chapter 10. I've referenced it already to you. But is he still a good shepherd? I mean, hasn't he ascended into heaven? So if he's a good shepherd, yet it seems as if he's not here today, how is he still good shepherding us? How is he doing that? Well, the church is the example of that. That's why there's established in the church shepherds and pastors and overseers to care for the flock. The Lord is using, using shepherds to continue to good shepherd the flock, his flock, the one that he laid down his life for. Remember John ten eleven where he said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Those who are giving oversight to the church today point also to this. I don't lay my life down for you. I can't rescue you as a shepherd, but I know the one who can. Christ is the good shepherd. He is. Sorry for the bad English. He is the goodest shepherd. He has laid down his life for you. And so shepherds in our world today, in the church, if they're not pointing to the glory that's to be revealed in Jesus, if they're not pointing to the word of God and saying, this is what controls our life, this is how we remained here, and if they're not pointing to the fact that Christ is the one who's laid down his life for, for his flock, they're not pointing towards the right things. And I'll just say this, they're not a good shepherd. They're a bad shepherd. And you need to find a new one. The Good Shepherd continues to guard and to guide us. This is what shepherds do. This is Psalm 23. You know this. We usually just sing this in times of, or or read this, or sing it in times of suffering, in times of trial, in times of death. But it's not just a song or psalm for that. It's a reminder, a daily reminder of the Good Shepherd that we have. The shepherd who takes care of us, who makes us lay down in green pastures, who leads us beside still waters, who provides for our every need, guarding us in the, times of, in the times of trouble, leading us even in the valley of the shadow of death. And I think this is why Peter brings this to our attention, brings this to the attention of the suffering exiles, the suffering sojourners, who are experiencing fiery trials. You're about to be martyred for your faith. What's your greatest need? Your greatest need is a good shepherd. You're about to go through suffering. You're about to go through extra trials. What's your greatest need? Your greatest need is the good shepherd. The greatest need is the good shepherd to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death so that you can fear no evil. So you can fear no evil. When we get to next week and the next week and we see where Peter says, Hey, resist evil. Resist the devil. Lead not yourself into temptation. How can you do that on your own? You know. I love that John Maxwell says we're all one step away from stupid. Like we need someone guiding us. We need someone guarding us. We need someone pointing us into the right direction. My hope this morning is is this. That you would see your desperate need for, most importantly, the good shepherd, Jesus. And then with that, you would see that he he is using shepherds within the church to continue to offer oversight to continue to offer accountability, to continue to offer guiding and guarding and loving and providing and compassion and mercy. Still, the good shepherd is still good shepherding today. He has not abandoned, he has not abandoned us. I love that he ends this little section here uh, in verse 5 with the talk about, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How can you this morning, how can you this morning say that I'm in need of a shepherd, someone to tell me what to do? How can you? Adults, Maybe those of you who have been around for a long time, how can you this morning say, I need someone to tell me what to do? Only in humility can you do that. Only in humility can you say, I need someone to tell me what to do. You've seen it, parents, grandparents, you see it in our kids. No one likes to be told what to do. I have a rebellion in me that rises up often. When I hear you tell me what to do, I think in my head, watch me do exactly what you say not to do. I want to do the opposite. Tell me to do this, I want to do this. I'm in desperate need of a good shepherd. I'm in desperate need of someone to tell me what to do. Yet it takes humility to get to that to get to that point. Pride tells us we don't need pride tells us we don't need someone to tell us what to do. Pride tells us that we can figure things out on our own. Pride tells us that we can lean on our own understanding. That we need no one to give us oversight. We overlook the fact that we are in desperate need of this. We can't save ourselves. We can't pay the sacrifice of sin for ourselves. We can't ransom ourselves from death and the grave. Someone else has to do that. And so because Christ is the one who's purchased us, we belong to him. He's the good shepherd. He's laid down his life for us, and still we are in need of good shepherding. And again, I'll just say this. How does that happen in our world today? Church, church happens with us together. It happens with the office of elder, shepherd, overseer, pastor, leading us, guiding us to the right things. I'm asking you now for a moment to hold me accountable to this. If I'm not pointing you to the glory to be revealed in Jesus, if I'm not pointing you to the the Word of God, if I'm not pointing you to the true rescuer, Jesus, fire me. Find a different shepherd. Like, it's so important, not just in the midst of fiery trials and suffering, but it's so important in regards to our holiness, in regards to our purity, in regards to our worship of Jesus, that we are leading people in the right direction, pointing people to the right things. You and I are in desperate need of the Good Shepherd. And as a shepherd, as a pastor, I want to continue to point you in that direction. When we say things like, Jesus is enough, is He enough? Is He enough? Well, we have to get to that. Ed Welch says that we, we live in a broken world. We know this. It seems as if in areas of our life that sin still reigns. Sin still is ruling. It feels like that's the case. And Ed Welch uses the phrase, when we see that brokenness, when we see areas where we think sin is ruling and reigning, it's just death's leftovers. Christ has come to give us life and life abundantly, and when we see the brokenness of the world, the sin that we think is ruling and reigning, it's just death's leftovers. Christ has come to resurrect us from death and give us life for us to walk in newness of life, not just someday when you take your last breath, but even today. Good Shepherd, the Good Shepherd, points us towards that, that you walk in newness of life. Today good shepherds in the earth now point you to that also pointing you to you walk in newness of life today don't be overwhelmed by death's leftovers don't be tempted to eat those death's leftovers but instead feast upon the table of the Lord where surely goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life which includes eternal life includes eternal life it takes humility though to get to this point It takes humility. It takes you saying, Lord, it's not about me. I cannot, in my pride, I cannot totally surrender to you, but praise Jesus, you have totally surrendered to the will of the Father and provided for me an opportunity to be in right relationship with the Father. It takes humility to get before the Lord and say, I submit in obedience to you and to you, to you alone. Do you need a good shepherd? Absolutely. Are you in need of someone To point you in the right direction? Absolutely. Ultimately, that's Jesus. How will Jesus point you in that direction today? He uses shepherds and pastors and overseers in the church to point us in this direction. Turn to Psalm chapter 23, and we'll end here together. This psalm is about Jesus being our shepherd. This psalm is about Jesus being a good shepherd. And I challenge myself as a pastor shepherd, challenge myself to be living and pointing in the direction of this psalm. That as I pastor and shepherd and lead, we lead like this psalm. We point people in the way everlasting. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Think for a moment. I love that Max Lucado says that we can, through the peace of Jesus, even in the midst of this war-torn world, we can still enter into the throne room of tranquility, that we can still have peace. But how can we have that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials? Someone upon this earth needs to be pointing us to the good shepherd, to the shepherd who is truly leading us in that direction, besides still waters, to the one who's restoring my soul, to the one who's leading us in the paths of righteousness, not for the sake of some pastor on a stage, but all for the sake of Jesus. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That pig that my friend Justin had needed someone with a rod and a staff to discipline him, to move him in the right direction, to stop him, to say suey and say stop right here. This is not, this is where you belong. Don't keep, don't keep going. We need, we need this in our lives still today. Uh, Proverbs 4:27. ponder your steps. Think about where you're going so that you don't swerve from the right or the left. How are you going to do that? You have to have a shepherd to help guide you, to help guide you in that. And then in that guiding, we can trust. Even though it's the valley of the shadow of death, I can still fear no evil because my trust is in the good shepherd. My trust is in the one who, who has conquered all evil and all death. For you are with me, Lord. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The people belonging to God, the Israelites in Psalm 137, they had been so, sojourning. They were exiles, not in their homeland. In the Psalm 137, in the middle of the chapter, there's this verse that says, How can we sing to the Lord? How can we sing to the Lord while in a foreign land? I mean, that's a great question. We're foreigners, we're exiles. We want to be with the Lord. Yet how can we, how could we even sing in a foreign land? Well, if they know the Good Shepherd, if they know who the Lord is, if they know the greater story, then even in the midst of being sojourners, even in the midst of walking through a foreign land, with all the suffering and the trials and the foreignness of it, they can still sing a new song to the Lord. And maybe that song is this, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Who can open up the scroll? Worthy is the Lamb who can take away the sins of the world. Worthy is the Lamb who is holy and gives us His holiness. You prepare for us a table before me, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. It's not a long-distance Good Shepherd relationship. Though the Good Shepherd has ascended into heaven, he has provided for us still shepherds who closely watch over us to continue to point us to the absolute good shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We need the good shepherd. We need him because he's provided the way to right relationship with the Lord. He leads us in the path of righteousness. Pride tells us we can earn it ourselves. Pride tells us we can work earnestly and do the things that we that we think will gain us salvation. The Good Shepherd has provided all of that for us. We are in desperate need of Him. Pride tells us we can do it on our own. Humility says before the Lord, you've done it. Humility says I can make my own table in the midst of my enemies. I can figure it out. I can go get some fast food somewhere and it'll be enough. Humility says I will eat at your table, Lord, and trust in your sustenance. Pride says that I only need mercy and goodness when I feel bad, when I've done something bad. The Good Shepherd tells us you're in need of mercy and goodness all the days of your life, and He provides that. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you because of the Good Shepherd. Sometimes we think when we're in those green pastures, we don't need a shepherd we're in desperate need of a shepherd. Pride tells us I can eat and eat and eat until I'm fat. A good shepherd says, stop. Rest. Listen to me. A good shepherd tells us these things, provides for us, even in, even in green pastures. My hope this morning is this. Pride will not get in your way, but instead you will humble yourself before the Lord and say, "I'm desperate. I am in desperate need of the good shepherd. The second part of that church is this. I hope that you would pray more often that those within this church who've been called to be shepherd, pastor, elder, overseer will continue to give oversight in the direction, pointing in the direction of Jesus. The glory that's to be revealed in Him. His Word and only His Word. His good shepherding. And point us in that way everlasting. And I'm asking for accountability in that. When you see those things not happening, when you see that the the cause or the mission or the vision is for self and not Jesus, or for earthly gain and not Jesus, all those things that Peter talks about, point those out. Be a shepherd yourself and say bad. That was a joke. (laughs) That's bad shepherding. Point us as pastor shepherds to the right things my hope is this as a church that it would be easy to identify in our daily walking easy to identify easy to identify in our conversations that we belong to the good shepherd that we belong to Jesus And pray for us Lord we know that we can't remain pure on our own that if it's up to us we stumble and fall God, we know that, or we've seen in Ephesians 2, that if it's up to us, if it's up to the sin in us, we will die. Be judged in our sin. Be eternally, eternally separated from you. So God, help us this morning to recognize what the Good Shepherd has done for us and is doing for us and will continue to do for us. God, challenge us as a church, as living stones being built up together, to point one another to the glory that's to be revealed in Jesus, to the suffering of Jesus, to your will, Lord, for our life of purity and holiness. God, help us to be known as the people who are not walking in pride but walking in humility humbled before you ready to be used by you all for your glory God we know that you're worthy help our mind and our heart and our soul all to know that God as you draw us as you continue to sanctify us, God, I pray that you would continue to guard and guide the flock. God, thank you for the picture throughout Scripture, God, of you being a shepherd, of the Messiah being a shepherd, and then in this time, you empowering men to pastor. And shepherd, God, help us not to be turned away. But instead, God, we might turn towards you and you alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond. If you have not submitted yourself to the good shepherd, I want to help you with that. Let's stand. Let's sing. Let's worship Christ this morning.